Kasi, you explained uh, the crisis and you know took us to the climax of the of the crisis when everybody was stuck and then you know uh, you know your company you had internally discussed and learned a lesson that like hey this may not be the best way to do this soya bean business so so what were the uh, you know resolutions what are the solutions that were you know um, options available and what were you guys uh, you know how are you evaluating them and what are the ones that you are picking and choosing to so go ahead was- with it was a time of uh, a lot of reflections within the company you know, at mm-hmm. the desk as to what what has gone wrong what could go wrong what should be done that we don't go wrong again and again we can't make a make the same mistake again and again if this True. looked like a mistake now right so um, it was something that was waiting to happen and the markets co- colluded in a way at that point in time <clears throat> so we we said uh, <clears throat> what are we doing? We are trying to be at arm's length to the Chinese market by not being on the ground. And you can't blame us for that, nor anybody else for that matter. We get, China was in WTO only for three to four years by then. Right. So a lot of institutions, trading sort of mentality, the psychology, the ecosystem is getting built up in the country. In a way. So right. uh, people were not ready to jump in so quickly. Now, this at once presented an opportunity to us simply because we also had the fate of a vessel to be settled. Right. That was, that was already at Hong Kong waiting for something to be done. Now there was all options, all windows closed really in a way. And so in the meantime, as the vessel was even steaming towards Hong Kong, we already started thinking as to... Uh, I was clear in my mind that at some point, this means we have to have a deeper engagement with China Mm. on a local basis. It's no longer just at arm's length, selling to a third party and taking your money and forgetting about it. So we uh, already started moving some levers in within the company and tried to figure out what is it that we can do. And we identified in the meantime, a a processing plant in uh, Guangdong in the province of Guangdong in a city in a town called Janjiang. Mm. So we started talking to them and saying it's a company that is a small company and not uh, very well capitalized, obviously. So we started talking to them about possibility of toll crushing with them. So mm. we take the whole plant on tolling basis and we run the plant. So as this was simultaneously going on, we were preparing the grounds to get an import permit because now we blacklist, now we are just out of blacklist. So we need to get mm. uh, an import permit. So luckily we had a JV a joint venture partnership with uh, a local uh, provincial Kofco for a long time, which mm. uh, we were using time to time for various things. But this time it came in very handy. And we had a trading company that was listed also in uh, Shanghai. <clears throat> so we used the Kafka uh, joint venture to be as a partner to uh, get in the imports so that they right. bring in the, in their name, it can come into the country first. Right. And then the trading company will take over that and then give it to the plant. Right. And the trading company will manage the tolling arrangement. Correct. So that's how we made a tripartite kind of a deal. Uh, put these things in place. And then we went up and got our 
approvals from the management because management obviously was also very shaken up by then. And so we said, this is one way because the alternative is we have to keep waiting for someone to turn up to buy this cargo and we don't know how long this will take. Correct. And in the market, if you go out to sell straight away, we are looking at booking two, two and a half million dollar loss straight on the ship. So we said, how do we now turn this around? It's, it's, it's a loss, but we, there should be a lesson to learn from it. And sure. there is a way out from here. So that's how we finally got the approval from the management also to do this operation. And then we had a whole team set up in the meantime. Uh, so we were moving a lot of uh, uh, pieces on the chessboard. We went, uh, we had, a, uh, at that point, we also had a processing operation in India. Right. So I went and tapped our technical guys in India because yes. now obviously if you, you're now operating for the first time in China, you don't know what kind of people you're getting plus the fact that you may not be able to communicate with them. Correct. So we had to have our technical guy managing the production side. Uh, so we got uh, on deputation, the technical head of India to sit in this plant for three to four months. So we had to make sure the visa and all those are arranged. So we got them in and eventually uh, we did get the ship to discharge at Janjiang port. Luckily, because we, it was now fully in our control, we did manage to discharge the ship without too much of a problem. Took the beans in to the plant. Uh, now this, meant several things. You are going to test the market for the first time yourself. Till now, Correct. you never bothered about what happened with your beans. Once you dis ship discharge and gone, you don't care about what happened. Now, this game starts actually from there. So yeah, we, in, uh, you mentioned VUCA, right? In, in, in uh, one of the VUCA strategies or under uncertainty is do some experimentation. And Correct. experimentation, the results are not guaranteed, but at no least you will start getting information which you didn't have right and uncertainty is lack of information and then you start getting information which you need to, uh, to understand and then you start navigating your way so so this is perfectly an example of that right illustration right. of that so what happens in beans soybean market normally for a country like china is that you buy the beans uh, and hedge it on chicago board of trade so the suppliers right. will pass it through chicago board of trade for pricing purposes so your beans are fixed on Chicago Board of Trade. But then you, when you produce the meal and the oil, you can't go back to Chicago Board because this is China now. Hmm. So you go to Dali and Commodity Exchange. Right. <clears throat> so it meant that we need to understand how even the domestic hedging works. Right. And accounts have to be in place. Okay. Right. So, and how do the buyers even look at pricing it? I mean, what do they look in Dali and... How will that correlate with what you're physically selling in a place like Janjiang? Right. Do you need to do trucking? Do you need to do put it on a rail? Right. Uh, will you buy, will you sell it FOT free on truck or will oh. you sell it delivered? Yeah. Shortages. So you got into a whole lot of new issues indeed. Nitty gritties of how you actually run. What happens to shortages when you are producing your are you producing 98% of what you gave? Are you producing 97? Who's paying for the loss? Mm. And so we had to have a proper drafted whole agreement in the first place. And from then on to safety and security of your cargo, Correct. processing, losses, and then actually shipping it, uh, selling it, shipping it, and getting the money back. Correct. And then it takes the whole route back. 
So, so every headache that you avoided <laughs> as a trader is all yours now. <laughs> exactly. So, but it was a, a great learning experience because hmm. this forced us to literally go into the country now. And uh, this is fairly early in the game, 2004. We, we were just two, three years of uh, pickup in the bean imports happening. Uh, so we really went uh, studying every point in that whole supply chain. Uh, we kept a whole team there. It took us almost four months or five months to complete this whole operation. By end of 2004, early 2005, um, we could finally put all the numbers together. Okay. And, and then uh, we said, okay, what are the learnings? So we had to wrap up the whole thing and say, okay, now are we going to repeat this or not? So that's so what were the long-term benefits then? Yeah. So, so what did it, that teach us that we have the capability, if given the choice, we can actually scale this up into something bigger. Right. That then we'll avoid us selling to third parties. Now we cannot keep selling to third parties and expect different results. Keep doing the same, but expect different results. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Markets can be volatile and will tend to be volatile. And so then we get actually into the market and this is a growing market. And now we establish a place for ourselves with all our systems, mm -hmm. the way we want to be structured mm -hmm. and the way we want everything to be controlled. So net net by the time we put in all our numbers together, this business of doing the tolling and everything together netted us somewhere around a million dollars. So what would have been a $2 million loss turned out became. to be a million dollar profit. So that swung the whole business by about $3 million, literally. Now right. that's not a bad thing to happen at all when you are completely stuck like this. And now on top of it, apart from making money, which is not losing, but at least getting back the money and making some, you also made sure you learned lessons. Now you opened up a new Vista altogether. Now you opened up China as a market for yourself, for your Correct. company. Right. And you, you are not claiming this on paper. You are saying this is exactly how we actually went through it. And these are the learnings that we have. And how do we even go about planning for the next stages or next steps in our journey in China? Right. So that, sorry. Uh, so that itself was to us a great satisfaction actually by the time we got into 2005 and that uh, also told us that yes this is something at least we are resolving the situation because you can't say that well we had a bad issue bad problem and so we can't go into this country no this is not going to happen because this right. is the future this is the biggest going to be the biggest importer and this is going to be the biggest processor domestically it is the biggest market eventually in the world of soybeans and there's nobody else that is anywhere near this country so we literally had to turn the whole argument around and uh, got into doing this uh, fairly well that sort of set the stage so you understood you sort of started understanding the china market how the business operates what are the various costs elements of costs and you know where were the possible bottlenecks, what were the, the you know, challenges to be expected. And then you had run through one process and, you know, so you knew more the system much better. So you understood the market. So, but you also said it was all the, the you know, the import problem, uh, the pink beans, the cargo getting stuck was uh, 
you know industry wide problem from from all the major trading companies or the major suppliers were concerned so how did other competitors react to this situation right so each one had their own um, way of rationalizing the whole situation right <clears throat> invariably invariably a lot of them also because let's imagine that most of uh, grain business is really uh, run by western multinationals right western grain houses let's put it so they have a fairly um, contractual kind of approach to business mm-hmm. so the 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 the, op- the approach a lot of times was that okay we got into this mess we had these problems but now now we also make sure we go after the guys hmm so there were lots of arbitration cases uh, mm-hmm. both onshore and in hong kong right those are the only two possibilities really at that time you could not right. go to gafta posfa whatever mostly to be settled in that um, jurisdiction so uh, the the arbitration centers in hong kong and shanghai and beijing they got very busy for the next 3 mm-hmm. 4 5 years Uh, a lot of shipping related issues became massively problematic because right stuck between the ship owners uh, the, and because some ships even got uh, arrested on, yeah on shore so there were a whole lot of very ticklish issues the competition some of them took the approach of uh, taking it contractual going for uh, arbitration cases uh, legal cases whatever and some they, that was this sort of uh, green shoots also in some of the organizations to say that maybe we should actually look at now going on shore uh, so it took a bit of time but i think if subsequently you know look at it uh, we went in uh, the next year in a different way that's a whole story by itself but uh, we did realize that i think one other competitor also came in and picked up a sh- uh, um, a plant some mm-hmm. mm-hmm. just a little ahead of us um but then uh, the others followed much later so in the meantime uh, the chinese government also was considering whether they should even open up this this particular sector to foreign investment in a 100% basis okay so subsequently there were restrictions coming in all that happened but this is a, a later stage so the, the but net net i would say that uh, the industry was shaken up uh, industry picked up uh, a lot of losses to from this and so um, a lot of major players stayed away from china for a good part of 2005 maybe even 2006 and you guys chose to stay on right we no we stayed away to in terms of selling third parties correct and yeah we did the toll but you invested we said, in the country later as we went along that was the way out of that uh, impasse in a way so okay the the bigger uh, advantage also that i forgot to mention earlier was that as the supplies dwindled into the market due to the crisis the domestic market started rallying this is yep. obvious right things are not yep. coming after the first wave after the problems are solved initially right new supplies are not coming as easy as they were and right. this was one of the major reasons that we decided also that we should now get into the market ourselves because there is an upside here correct not just any more that you are selling into a hole you yep. are going to ride the market back up in the domestic yep. market now not correct. internationally 
So that sort of uh, helped us a lot. Um, plus the fact that teams were tight locally by then. And the ones who were operating and who had the means of operating domestically, they walked away with uh, absolutely phenomenal margins on the domestic market. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that that was the uh, takeaway. Let's put it that way. Uh, right. A, a great uh, way of. I mean, looking back now, it looks like it's fantastic that we could think along those lines in those times. It was absolutely stressful. Yep. You sure. have uh, mm-hmm. ships like this stuck, and uh, wherever you are on risk calls and uh, lawyers, um, top management and finance guys and. Everybody is mulling around your desk all the time, and you are continuously answering questions and not trading actually. Yeah, and so then you're losing is... money on multiple fronts on you know on each cargo, right? The commodity exactly. prices are falling, the the demurrages are rising, and you know it just and those are the you know top two. But then there are like multiple ways, and it's just just leaking right all over. Exactly. So you're not really money is leaking. You're not in your trading seat anymore. You are in a firefighting mode all the time, Correct. on a daily basis. So, that that was something that uh, that was very interesting as far as i could see yeah interesting looking back cuz <laughs> but yeah, going through you know you and i have been traders and we know what it is you know when we go through these kinds of uh, things so stressful for us so stressful for the families and so on and so forth so in fascinating fact, fascinating in story in fact yeah. in fact some of the my colleagues in the industry who were the decision makers at that time for various companies you know hmm. it can be competition whatever but at the end of the day we are all birds of the same feather right uh, so for them 2003 uh, 4 bean crisis is something that they wish to forget because it was yeah. like they had ulcers they had bp rising there were all kinds of health issues that right. was the time so it's it's a, a but a lot of them also learned later and came back and did something differently so you said that like you know um what happened the following year and uh, how you handled the market and developed the market was a, is a is a story by itself so i'm sure we will uh, you know have another uh, you know interview with kasi and we would discuss uh, what happened and how you rode that wave uh, i i presume so um that would have been a wave and so we would uh, we would get an opportunity to discuss that uh, rather soon i suppose right yep thank Thank you very much, Kasi. It was an excellent discussion. You know, thoroughly enjoyed it as always, right? And uh, you know, thanks for sharing your experiences and great learning for anyone. Uh, you know, who who faces uh, uncertain situations, volatilities in commodities, and then you know, uh, all of these leading to crisis. And then, how do you stay calm, stay cool? You know, think of the options, and you know, and do some experiments. Be ready to take some a little more risk and get some clarity, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, try out in the new opportunities, and then develop them, and and then hey, crisis converted into an opportunity, right? Right. Awesome. Thank awesome, you, Kasi. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you for joining us in yet another episode of Move Conversations. Hope you enjoyed this episode. please subscribe to the move conversations youtube channel and press the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes thank you very much till i see you in the next episode thank you very much have a great day